Well, good morning again. As Kent said, we're so glad you guys are here. If you're new, we're so glad you're here. And if you've been coming back, uh, awesome to have you here in the midst of our goals series. Hashtag goals. My name's Matt. Look forward to meeting you if I haven't met you yet. And uh, the last couple weeks, Pastor Brian's been talking about the goals that we have. Sometimes in a new year, you know, you're setting new goals for yourself and thinking, well, how do I want to live 2018? Well, we wanted to kind of jump into that too with the church and just talk about what are the goals for the church. And Pastor Brian talked about um, as, a, as a church we value God's Word. We value the Bible. And that's a goal of ours, to be in the Bible and reading it often because it transforms our life in such a deep way. And then he also talked about empowering us to, to do God's work. And God uh, is entrusting us with things. And He believes in us. And He's put talents and gifts inside of us uh, to use for His glory. And so we hope that you've been enjoying this series. And uh, this morning, I'm going to be talking about community, authentic community. One of the important goals that we have as a church is to have a church of not a whole bunch of individuals that don't know each other or care about each other or love each other, but we want to have a close-knit, loving community in this church. It's something really important to us, and we talk about it a lot. And the bar for this, the bar for relationships and community in the church is very high. It's really high. If you, if you come and you think, yeah, my, my friendships are pretty good, and I, I have enough community in my life, I don't need to hear a teaching on this, I don't really need any other people, or I don't need to change anything in my life, then listen to this high bar that Jesus gives us in John 17, verses 20 and 21. Jesus was just praying for his disciples, okay, the ones that were going to take his message to those people of that time, but then he prays for us. My prayer is not for them alone, his disciples at that time. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that's us, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, that's the really high bar, may they also be in us so that they, the world may believe that you have sent me. This is what Jesus' prayer was. Jesus was praying for us. I don't know if you've ever known that that's in the scriptures, but at this moment in time, Jesus has you in mind. Jesus has us in mind and all the other Christians that were going to come from the disciples' message, passing on generation to generation to generation, you know, all these people, hundreds of years down the road, Jesus is saying, man, I hope they're close. I hope they stay together, that they love each other. Not just okay friendships and okay community, but as you and I, God, are one, I want them to be that close. Now, that's a crazy high bar that we need God's help to in, or, in order to have those kinds of relationships. And so I'm excited about sharing this with you today and talking about what is authentic community, but let's pray and ask God to open our hearts to hear from Him today. Lord, we're so thankful to just be in this place with each other, to be able to sing the songs of forgiveness that we just sang, that you have wide open arms for us to come to. Lord, we can admit before you uh, in, in the midst of just your presence that we are broken people. We come with flaws and we come with a broken heart and we come with all kinds of deep issues in our lives some we're very open about and some we hide but lord we come before you because we know that you still love us 
We know that you have something amazing for us. And you don't want us to go through this life alone and isolated. But Lord, you want us to do it in community. And, and we just admit before you to have really good loving relationships, it's hard. It is so difficult. And it is far beyond us. And so we ask for your help. We ask for your insight. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, when I was thinking about this question, what is authentic community, I thought of this picture, and I hope it resonates with you, but, um, you know, lately I've been playing basketball up at Fort Miggs YMCA. I go up there, I uh, kind of live up in that area, and last semester, last year, um, I was playing with a bunch of guys that are really good athletes and just a bunch of great Guys, I'm like one of the worst players at this place, and I'm just glad they let me play. I'm usually the last one picked, but it's usually pretty intense and a pretty high level of skill. And one day we were there, and these two guys were just going at it a little bit more than normal. And you can kind of see the tensions rising and the testosterone going through the gym type of thing. And this one guy that was guarding the other guy, they were kind of getting physical, and the one guy stole it from the other guy, and he's racing down the court alone for this wide open layup, and the other guy just takes off after him full blast, and I'm just watching this like, oh boy, this is going to be bad. And the one guy went up for the layup, and the other guy kind of tried to go for the ball, but maybe not, and he just totally swiped across this guy, hit him in the head, and the guy almost landed on his head. And I was like, whoa, that was like a really dangerous foul. And the guy that got knocked down gets up, grabs a chair, and starts chasing the guy around the gym. I was like, whoa. Now, I'm a chaplain at this YMCA, and I was thinking, somebody should do something right now. <laughs> it's not going to be me. I'm small. Somebody should do something. And the guy chased him for about five seconds. And the guy was like, ah! And they just stopped. And the guy went and put the chair back, and everybody just gathered back and checked it up, and the guy came over sheepishly that was just chased, and he slaps the guy on the butt, and he's like, man, my bad. And they just kept playing. I was like, wow, okay. And you know, I looked at that, and I was like, that's authentic community right there. I, that's, if that's not a good picture of, hey, I just hurt you. And the other guy's like, yeah, you did. I want to hurt you back right now. I'm going to chase you with a chair. And then apologies, and we just went on and played. It was fantastic. Man, don't we kind of need a little bit more of that? Not, not the chair part, but we kind of need a little bit more of that in the church. We need to be honest with each other because we hurt each other. We do things intentionally and unintentionally to mess up this idea of oneness. It's really, really hard. And because we've hurt each other and we're not all the same and we have trouble communicating well with each other and it's so much work, sometimes we just don't want to get into these relationships and we become very apprehensive to being vulnerable with one another. So here's the big idea for this morning. One of the things that we want the most is to be known. But being known is one of the things that scares us the most. Man, this is so true for me. I think we really, in our heart, Christians, non-Christians, we want to be known. We want people to know what's really going on inside of us. We don't want to go through life hiding and pretending, and, and we want to be appreciated and valued and loved and accepted in all these different ways but man, sometimes that's like the scariest thing in life, isn't it? 
Because now I got to open up. I got to enter into the work of this relationship and it becomes very difficult. So there's so much I want to share with you. I'm not, I'm going to just bring it down to a couple points of a things that I've been seeing the last few years in ministry with marriages and city people and college students of, you know, when they come and they say, here's what I'm struggling with, why I don't have community. And, and they ask this question, why don't I have authentic community? Okay, here's a few things. If you're sitting there this morning and you're thinking, man, why don't I have what the Bible's talking about in this closeness? What's going on in my life that I don't have it? One of the top ones I've mentioned already is you don't want to be vulnerable with other people. You don't want to be vulnerable and honest about what's really going on in your life because you're just afraid of being known. You'll never have authentic relationships if you're too proud, too hurt, or too scared to let people in. Some of you are sitting here this morning and you have pride in your life. And how that manifests itself is that you don't want people to know that you have weaknesses. One of your values is not authentic community. Your value is to be highly respected. And I want to give off this facade that I'm awesome. And I got it all together. My capacity is great. People should respect me. I'm talented. I'm smart. I don't have any struggles in life. And that pride drives you to try to masquerade everything going on in your life. And you don't let people into who you really are and what you're really struggling with because there's pride there. Others are just too hurt. Other people have hurt you in the past. And that is for real. That is so common. Sometimes the Christians, maybe people sitting in this room right now, are the people that have hurt you the most. And you're like, why would I enter into that again? I've been lied to and I've been misled and I've been judged. Why am I going to open up my heart to these people? That is a real question I ask. That's a real question that we all ask. And what the Bible is telling us is the other extreme of just giving into pride and giving into hurt is going to just lead us down the road to a life of isolation. That pushing through the hurt and continuing to open up our heart is going to have way more value and way more pleasure and satisfaction in your life than just giving up on relationships and punting. You know, when, when Brian and I and other leaders get up here to, to teach, we, we talk about being open with you a lot. We want to uh, demonstrate that with you. And, and Mary Lynn was just, my wife was meeting with this girl recently, and, and she's really new. She's only been to H2O a couple of times. She said, you know what I really like about that church is you guys just lay it out there. You're just honest about what you're going through. And I don't always get that at other places. And I really appreciate you guys just talking about your struggles Man, to a pastor, that warms my heart. That's the kind of community that we're trying to build. I know that we're not perfect in that, but it's something that we're striving to be and striving to accomplish as our culture is this openness. And, you know, so when we get up here and we, we talk about, like, man, there's insecurities. There's times where I mess up. There's times where I double and triple book appointments and I let people down and people are sitting somewhere and say, man, where were you? I said, man, I am so sorry. I messed up. I'm flighty. I'm dumb. I forgot to put that in my calendar. And I mess up. 
and I struggle with other issues, and I struggle with things just like you do, and I struggle with my food. That's one of the biggest issues in my life that I talk about all the time. And I remember when I was younger in my Christian faith, sitting out there, and somebody up front just shared their weaknesses. Man, I was just filled with hope. I thought, okay, maybe I got a shot here with God. Maybe I'm not the only really messed up person in this room. And if you're new here, I hope you hear that. You are not coming into a place with a whole bunch of holy people. You're coming into a place with people that are broken. We're mutually struggling together, and that is why we need Jesus so bad. And if we don't talk about those things and we hide those things, everybody else sees it in your life anyway. You might as well share it. And if I have to lean in my life on hiding those things so that people respect me as a pastor, because I want that. I want people to think I have it together. Or I'm going to lean on just being overly open to create that culture. I'd rather lean on, the, on an error on the side of being open. Because I want to give you hope. And I want the people in my life to know my weaknesses so that they can help me and protect me. And those are the times where I feel the safest in my life is when I'm being truly open. And we can be open about who we really are because the focus isn't on us, okay? Life is not about you. Life is not about me. Life is about God and pointing people to God. The whole story of our life here is to point people to God. I love this passage in Ephesians chapter 2. It's just so glorifying to God because the Gentiles and the Jewish people were fighting and they had barriers between them and they were not connecting because they were putting on these facades and they were arguing over theology. And, and this passage really talks about how God is the one that mends this in our life. God is the one that helps us connect with one another. In Ephesians 2, 14 through 18, for he himself, God, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which we put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. You see how glorifying this is to God? He's saying, this isn't about you Jewish people. You think you're close to God and you think you're, you're better than everybody else. And the Gentile people, you're just way far off. You live this pagan life. And they're having trouble connecting because they think they're so different. He said, this isn't about you. This isn't about the Jewish people and the Gentile people. It's about the fact that God died for all of them. And he's the one that brings peace. And through him, now we all have access to the Father. And we're kind of meeting at the cross. That's what authentic community is all about, is meeting at the cross this next struggle that we have, if you're sitting there wondering, why don't I have, you know, authentic com community, it kind of very links to this first one is, is you don't think your struggles are normal. I can't tell you how many times people have come 
to talk about their struggles and talk about their, their, their issues in marriage and their issues with kids and their issues at work and their issues with their own personal temptations and lusts and struggles and all the different things that we all struggle with. And then they end the sentence by, and I can't tell anybody because they're just going to think I'm weird. I can't be open because people will just not relate to me. I hear that. We hear that so much. And when you hear that from 10 different people and they all say, nobody else understands me, I think, oh man, they do. If you could just talk to those people, if you would be open, you're going to realize your struggles are like other people. Matter of fact, Jesus struggled with the things that we did, yet without sin. It says in Hebrews 4, Therefore, since we have a great high priest, that's Jesus, who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we, pro we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. This gives me so much hope when I'm going through temptation and I'm going through struggles and I'm thinking in my head, I don't want anybody to know about this. People will think I'm a freak if I tell them what's going on right now. This verse says, we have a high priest. We have a Savior, Jesus, who was tempted in every way. Man, isn't that amazing? Jesus is our hero. He's our best friend. He's the one that can walk through this life. And because he walked this earth, he said, I know what that's like to be tempted in those things. I know what it's like. He didn't give in to any of them, but he can relate and he can empathize. And I, I promise you that as you open up with trusted people in your life, mature Christians that you open up with, you're going to find compassion. 95% of the time, maybe 99% of the time, you're going to have people relate to that. You're going to have people say, man, I get that. It's okay. Let me pray for you. Let me help you. The next one that we struggle with, and this is a pretty big one, you'd rather be right than close with people. We have a lot of Christians that really just want to win arguments and they want to, again, come off because of their reputation. They want to win arguments, and they want to come off right. And it is so hard for them to lay that aside and to just relate to people and try to connect with people. You know, I was listening to a teaching, uh, Vince Vitale. He's another pastor. He, he travels the world and does amazing evangelism. He's really smart. He does a lot of apologetics. And he went to Princeton, and he said, um, you know, when I was at Princeton, I was really good at boxing. And I loved boxing, and I did it all the time, and it was just really fun for me. And he met his, his wife. He met his sweetheart at Princeton. Her name was Joe. And when they started dating and getting engaged, she said, hey, I don't want you to box anymore. That's just too dangerous. He's like, I love boxing. I, I, I don't, I don't want to give this up. No way. And he's really kind of digging his heels in. She says, no, I need you to just do something else. You need to take up golf. Okay, he's like golf? I'm a boxer. I don't want to golf. And they kind of went back and forth. And then she said, no, I really want you to do this. He said, how about if I kickbox? Okay. I can put on a lot of, you know, padding on my helmet and there's padding everywhere and I'll kickbox. She said, no, I really want you to do golf. And he said, well, after we went back and forth, we compromised. I took up golf. <laughs> you know, uh, the married couples were laughing extra hard there. 
Sometimes you're laying down your rights because you value community above your own rights. No one modeled that better than Jesus. I mean, if we just keep looking to Jesus for his example, how many rights did Jesus lay down because he just wanted to be with you, because he loves you? He did not have to die on the cross. He didn't have to get spit on. He didn't have to get slapped by the Roman soldiers who mocked him and said, if you're God, come off the cross. Laughed at him. And he laid that down. Man, that's a, that's a stud of a guy. That's a humble man. That's a guy that knows how to surrender things. Why? Because he loves you so much. He said, I can, I can take that. I can, I, can, I can lay this down because I value relationship. He wanted you so badly. These three phrases we really need to have in our vocabulary often. When we talk about authentic community, I hope that these are things that you're saying often. I am sorry. I was wrong. I love you. When you look at those three phrases and you're talking about community, you're talking about intimacy, are these things that you say? Would your spouse, your family, your roommates, people in your dorms, would they recognize that these are a part of your speech? Man, I messed up there. I am sorry. I was wrong. I got that wrong. I, I, I thought I was right, but I was wrong. You know when those are hardest for me to say? Like when I mess up and I have to say I'm sorry? Usually it's probably different for all of us, but I'll feel a lot of shame in my life. And so I don't want to face those words because I'm feeling shame and if I say it out loud and, and they say something back, I might feel more shame. And so I'm avoiding shame. So, I'm, no, I'm not right. That, I'm not wrong. That was you. I'm right. That's your bad. No, you are in the wrong. You need to, you need to apologize. I, I'm, and I'm just going to back down. I'm not going to back down. I'm going to fight you because I can't deal with this shame in my life. And again, it all comes back to our relationship with God. The next part of that Hebrews verse says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You know, the gospel's for you. You can approach God's throne with confidence. Why? Because of his grace. He wants to give you mercy. He wants to shower you with mercy. He wants to give you his grace and forgiveness. Say, hey, it's okay you messed up. You don't have to feel shame. And we give that shame to God. And we let him know about that. And we deal with this in our relationship with him so that we can be honest and say we're sorry to the people around us. This last one is that you don't want to say what needs to be said. I think as the years go on, we're struggling more and more to really speak the truth to one another. And it's hard because we don't know how to speak the truth. We're afraid of confrontation. And if we do speak truth, we're a volcano and we're just machine gunning people and we don't know how to do it with love. Okay? We need to speak what needs to be said 
without emotion and just, you know, you can have a little emotion, but not out of an explosion. You know, you need to be able to go to people and it's not just not out of your own frustration, but it's like, I care about you and I need to speak some truth into your life. That is so hard. We are so petrified of conflict. We're so petrified of being intimate and really saying what needs to be said. And I love this thought because um, one of the best things in your life, you know, when I have friends like Brian and Sarah and the Osheskis and the people close in my life, my, my close little circle of friends, and I hope that you've experienced this, when they really know you, you know, the good things and the dirt in your life, and they come to you in love and challenge you and say, man, I, got, I love you and I got to tell you about this area in your life. Nothing, you know, is like painful but feels so good at the same time. I really hope that you have that in your life and that you enjoy that because I do. And, and, and this has happened recently. Brian and I have great talks and other people in my life and and you think, man, is this going to go okay, that, that you're being corrected? But it makes me feel safe. It makes me feel loved. This person knows me well enough to speak the deep truths into my life like God does. And we need to be able to, to say that to one another. You know, uh, back to the basketball story. Um, you know, that crazy thing that happened on the court, you think, yeah, Okay, that can happen to other people, and, and that, that's fun to talk about. It happened with me recently. At the same basketball court, weeks later, we were playing, and, uh, and I'm a little slower than the other guys, okay, as I mentioned. So I've developed this skill of when this guy goes by me, I can reach behind and tip the ball away, okay? It's like one of my favorite things to do in basketball, defense, and to steal the ball, okay? And this is something I've worked on for decades, Okay, this is my thing. I can steal the ball once in a while and be like, oh man, you're quick. You play good defense. I say, yeah, okay, I, I got to contribute something on this team. Okay, I'm not fast enough to stay in front of them, but after they've gone past, I can tip the ball away. Well, one day I'm playing against John. He's one of the best athletes there. He's a super athlete, okay? And John goes past me and I do my normal swipe to hit the ball and I totally smack him right on the chest super hard, really hard foul, so embarrassed. I felt really bad about it. And I was like, oh man, oh gosh. You know, and he's like, foul, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and after the game's over, I'm still kind of feeling sheepish. I don't know this guy that well. And he goes over and takes his shirt off to look at his chest. Now, he's got great abs. That's another reason why he took his shirt off. He's ripped. He doesn't mind taking his shirt off, show everybody. But he takes his shirt off, and he's like, Matt, look at this. And there's a red handprint, as clear as can be. Like you took a marker and filled this, this handprint in. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm really sorry. I feel so bad. And he totally laughed it off. And he's like, hey, okay, it's no problem. I was like, man, what a great guy. What, what a forgiving guy. You know, and I was really appreciative that he was able to reconcile that with me and connect with me and be open like, man, that really hurt. Like you marked me, you know, literally. And I think that back to this point, I think that we mark each other in hurt all the time. 
I think that if you're going to get into relationships, you should go in, not surprised, but expecting, I'm going to get hit here. You don't play basketball and think, I'm never going to get hurt. I mean, how naive would that be? You're going to hurt your knee. You're going to get smacked. Guys get poked in the eye. You sprain an ankle. You get hurt. People foul you hard, but you keep playing because you love it. It's like, I don't want to stay home and just sit in the chair and watch people play basketball. I want to get in there and play. That's fun. That gives me life. That's awesome. We have to do that in relationships. You can't sit on the sideline and think, well, I'll only get into relationships if I won't get hurt, okay? Not going to happen. It's something to be expected. And when it happens, we need to just speak the truth to one another. Hey, I love you. I still care about our relationship. You hurt me. That hurt. You know, here's the handprint right there. Oh man, I didn't even, I did not mean to do that. I'm a good stealer. I, I was just trying to hit the ball. That's, that's not my problem. You know, you don't get all defensive. You say, yeah, I messed up. I didn't try to, but I did. I own that. And we have to be able to own these things and we need to be able to tell people the truth. I think people don't tell the truth and they lie like it's okay, and then it just piles up. And now all of a sudden, there's all this hatred and animosity and problems, and it's so hard to fix. I love that Paul did this with Peter. Well, back to the whole Jewish and Gentile thing. Peter was kind of being hypocritical and playing both sides. When he was with the Jews, he was acting like the Jews and that they were all right. And then when he was with the Gentiles, he was kind of working the other way and saying that they were okay and, and kind of speaking against the others. And when Cephas came to Antioch, that's Peter, Galatians 2, I opposed him to his face. It's a pretty strong comment. This is Paul speaking. Because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, the Jews, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. That's the Jews. The other Jews joined him in hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Paul gets in the face of Peter and he says, you are a hypocrite right now. That would have been a, probably a cool heated debate to watch, to see Paul and Peter go at it. But you know what? They worked through it, and they reached thousands of people because they were on a mission together. And this reminds us that you and I need to be able to lovingly get into each other's faces and share things with each other because I hear this so much in conflict. You should have said something versus you should have known. Okay, I want you to look at these two phrases for a moment. We're going to wrap it up here. And I want you to be introspective. I want you to think of which of these two you're more likely to say to someone close in your life. I've experienced these phrases a hundred times. And in my marriage and in relationships, sometimes I'm, I'm thinking, man, you should have known this. If you really loved me, you would have known. I didn't need to say it. You know, we've been in a relationship for a long time. You should be able to read my mind by now. And we attach love and I want to be known. And, and you just, you should have known this about me. And I can take ownership. I've thought that before. Maybe you have too. But we still need to speak 
the truth to people. They can't read our mind. We would like them to read our minds, but we can't always do that. And then the other one says, you should have said something. The other one that doesn't want to take any responsibility to like actually get into somebody's life and actually know them or to pray for them and to think through what they need in life. I think that this debate can lead to a lot of conflict and we need to own those things and let God into them so that we can do better at both of those. So what can you do for your relationships? What can you do for yourself and for, your, for others to build community? We're just praying as we, uh, I'm going to pray here, that this would be a really important goal to our church. This would be something that we continue to grow in, that you, you and I are going to work toward really good community and hear these different principles and apply them to our relationships. Let's pray for that.